everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Movie Geeks United. It's Blade Runner week, so I suppose we should open the show <laughs> with uh, discussions on that uh, much-anticipated film, Blade Runner 2049. Well, uh, I was uh, I was underwhelmed by it. <laughs> I'm I, sorry to say. I can't argue. I can't argue with that. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, there are parts of it I think that are. I mean, physically, I think it's a beautiful film. I think the sound yes. effects, the use of music, but there's something missing. I, well, and, uh, 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 there is something. You know, missing. I mean, I'm you not, know what the wonderful thing wrong. about the original is is yeah. that it has the the first movie. It has it has a very simple. I mean, this, this it has a very simple thing. There's replicants out there. We go get them. Blah blah blah. That's it. And it and of course the, com, the com, uh, complexities of the moral underpinnings of the of the situation and everything. You know, add add depth to it. Um, for for me, this uh, this one. Uh, even though it's rather simple, you know, I mean, there's a lot of gobbledygook in it, but you you eventually just have to say, well, he's just going out to find the other, <laughs> he's going out to find Harrison Ford. That's it. That's the so, uh, that part, I think. I hate to say it, but you are kind of waiting for that moment. I mean, you are, and I, I unfortunately they save it to the last bit and uh, and uh, you know the last thirty minutes or so, and. Um, so I don't think I'm spoiling anything there. Uh, I, I hate well, this I whole thing of spoilers, but but uh, you know, I, let me just be clear on some things that I did like about it. <clears throat> um, okay, first of all, it it is a beautiful looking movie. However, <laughs> I don't I don't believe that this is going to be you know uh, Deacon's you know Oscar winning film. I don't think that. I don't think that the photography is so great that, that it's going to overcome something like Dunkirk. Um, uh, but um, I didn't even think of that. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I, I did not think of that. I mean, it, it, it's nice looking, but it, it still doesn't hold a candle to the original, the look of the original. It's dusty. It's gritty. It's it's uh, it's dirty. It's um, it's rainy and snowy uh, at times. Uh, but uh, a lot of uh, snow, a lot of snow. Lot of, I mean. Yeah, yeah. That was that, that was that was an interesting, uh, you know, that was that was interesting, uh, an interesting touch to it. But I, uh, <clears throat> I just wasn't moved by that uh, main character. Basically, I just, uh, you know, something there was. It was just too cold of a performance for me to hook into uh as the as the lead uh i uh also you know something i missed from the main from the first movie remember how the first movie is like filled with all these you know great character actors and stuff mm. just popping up every everywhere um this this didn't really have any of that <laughs> i mean you you I, get I one one pointless it. yeah I mean, you get one pointless kind of scene with with uh, uh, Edward James Olmos, and I guess we have Robin Wright in there, but uh, no. I, you know, that's about that's about the extent of it. And um, uh, now I'll tell you, I did love I loved the scenes with uh, with him and the um, the virtual girlfriend, uh, who's played by. Um, uh, somebody I'd never uh, seen. Before. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't yeah. know her, um, but you know, I I like that. But I, I can I, you know, and, and that's a very good thing to bring up, um, actually, because because we were talking about this with my brother today, one of my brothers um, on the phone, and he he you have this whole group of replicants. Who who are I mean I think one of the themes of the film the whole the whole over from the first one the replicants are more human than the humans um and, and to the point I was going to ask were there any humans in this movie um any because I, I was having a lot of trouble discerning the replicants from the humans um I don't mean that as a negative thing I just that the replicants I felt were so lone I mean his life that he comes home to um Ryan Gosling Kay's character I thought was dismal his uh, existence yeah. I thought was dis I mean. It did remind me a lot of Joaquin Phoenix and her um, with the operating system of the Scarlett Johansson. It reminded me yeah. a lot of that. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's even more dismal than, than uh, you know, Harrison Ford's existence in the first movie. You know, it's, uh, you know, in comparison, you know, Harrison Ford's, uh, you know, apartment right. is like a palace <laughs> compared, yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> compared to this. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, like, this this is – I don't know. Uh, you know, I wasn't impressed with it on a, uh, uh, you know, an art direction level. I mean, I guess it's okay. I love the art director, Dennis Gasser's done many mm-hmm. of my favorite movies. But uh, I just didn't feel like it held a candle to the uh, – to to the first movie, you know, I was kind of wanting to revisit that world, and outside of the outside of the flying car sequences, uh, that it it never really, you know, really felt like a Blade Runner sequel. Really, it just, uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't really feel like one until uh, until Harrison Ford enters the picture, and I don't feel like they gave Harrison Ford enough to do. Uh, he's he's really only in four scenes, and uh, I don't think he had you know one of the scenes that he's in, uh, which does have a major stunning thing in it, but uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, is major mostly commanded by Jared Leto. So Jared Leto has more lines in the movie than than Harrison Ford does. He has two long. Uh, monologues that stop oh, really man. cold, if you ask me. Oh, God. That's, okay, so let's talk about, I think we're on a point of agreement about Jared Leto. Uh, can we just agree to just finally agree that Jared Leto is only playing Jared Leto or parody of Jared Leto? Can we come out and say that finally? Can I don't know really what just, he's like in real life, so I I, I wouldn't know. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it, 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 he's obviously taking over. Obviously, he is filling in for the part of Tyrell, the Tyrell Corporation. Obviously, the yeah, he's, Corporation. The, he's the Tyrell figure in this. Yeah, yeah so he's just goddamn pontificating. <laughs> You're just like, dude, shut up. Yeah, yeah, just uh, two two aimless monologues that just go on forever, and and you just oh my god, shut up, please. He's you know, I, out of the movie. Uh, he took yeah, me out of the movie. That's that's actually one of my major problems with the movie. My other problem with the movie, and it's not the movie's fault, but there was a there was a way to rectify it. Was I don't. I, look, I like the movie. I like what it's trying to do, but there is something missing, and I think the thing that's missing is you have no one like Rutger Hauer in the movie, and I think it really hurts the movie. I, yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, the the original is filled with great performances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think of William Sanderson, and you think of uh, yeah. Daryl Hannah, and um, and Emmett Walsh. 
uh, Edward James Olmos, uh, on and on it goes. Uh, and then, of course, Rutger Hauer. Uh, but Brian yeah. James and, and uh, Joanna yes, Cassidy. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you, uh, just a, a, a litany of, uh, of characters that are, that are interesting. And, uh, and Sean Young, of course. Uh, I don't think this has uh, outside of outside of the uh, uh, Anna de Armas and the and the girl playing the memory maker who whose yeah. name she she was also somebody that I uh, is new to me but and I don't even know the character's name so uh, right. I can't look it up to see who she is but um, uh, uh, is it Carla Jurel Dr Anna Staline I, I think that might be her. But okay. uh, I thought she was fantastic in it. She had the best scene in the movie. That that scene with her mm. uh, and Kay as as he's approaching her in her virtual yeah. world. Mm-hmm. I thought she was fascinating in uh, in that one scene and uh, uh, really good. I forgot to say that Barkat Abdi, who, who played the uh, the uh, I guess the uh, the the head pirate in in yeah. uh, Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. He he's in it, but he only has like a very very quick scene in it. He's, but that's the kind of that's the, yeah it is. Uh, but uh, he's he's been doing good. But uh, uh, you know that's the kind of character actor that I wanted to see more of. Um, right. And I just I just didn't feel like it. it um, but. Other than that, okay, so, okay, first of all, three hours. Does it have to be three hours? Couldn't they cut it down a little bit? Because, really, it was ponderous sometimes, you know. It was I like, wow, they could really that. speed this up. <laughs> they could speed it up. I, didn't mind, I did not notice that. Like, here's my thing. I like it. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a solid sequel, if you will. But this whole idea that it surpasses the original, what are you guys no way. smoking? No, what I want to what, what are you smoking? Can I have it yeah. now? I mean, because I don't, yeah. I just don't see it. It's a smaller movie. I think it's a smaller movie in a lot of ways than the original. Um, I that's just me. I just think it's a smaller. It seems like the, that world seems much smaller to me now. Than it well, I, I mean, when I, yeah, I mean, you, you, uh, it, it surely doesn't seem like a Los Angeles movie to me. I guess because they no. go to Vegas eventually. So, but. Um, I mean, it seems like most of the movie takes place there, but uh, or at least, uh, well, definitely most of the movie takes place outside of Los Angeles. It right. Feels no, like. it's not uh, so we don't get LA at all. Yeah. And I didn't feel that. Uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was going in thinking, oh, Roger Deakins is doing this. It's going to be great. It's going to be visually splendor, splendorous. There's going to be colors and everything. I felt it was a very monochromatic movie. It. Uh, it uh, it was really a lot of beiges and and uh and uh whites and and uh maybe some oranges here and there but i i didn't really feel like it was as colorful a movie as as uh as blade runner is uh the ridley scott movie um and just uh, on a visual level uh, again let me let's talk about the score okay you got mm-hmm. hans zimmer and one of his underlings doing it who uh, I, I don't have his uh, the underling's name here uh benjamin something benjamin, he, com- he composed it <laughs> ben, earlier this year benjamin wallfish uh what now he did what it oh okay uh yeah see i uh i thought the uh, of course the original vangelis score is brilliant and um uh you know 
this score it tries to sometimes tries to ape the sound of that, but really it just comes off as a bunch of droning. And uh, the only the only real elements of melody in the score are lifted from the original movie, uh, from the from the original Vangelis score. So I I, I was disappointed in the score. Um, I thought the sound was good and the effects are good, but uh, uh, I was just generally left cold by it all. And um, yeah, it, it didn't it didn't move me at all. It didn't make me think. Um, it was just a. Uh, it wasn't a complete waste of time. Uh, it's a movie that had to be made, I guess. People were clamoring for it, but um, I, I I didn't think it worked. I, 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 I am like re- I'm really sour on Hans Zimmer. I mean I mm. I, I don't know. I, I, he's on tour. You know he tours mm-hmm. with his booty music, and he has a big band behind him and everything, and. Uh, you know, I would be interested in seeing that just for the novelty of it. But, uh, man, he is nowhere near as good, even though he's a lot more popular, than he was when he started. Uh, he he has not written a score as good or up to the level of something like Beyond Rangoon, which he did early on in his career. Uh, uh, you know, and so I was actually listening to the original Vangelis score earlier today, I was like, my God, what a magnificent score! It's, it's got great thematic elements. It's got some weird stuff in it, like they they alter this vocalist mm. uh, vocalist in, in one selection, and it sounds so exotic, and otherworldly, and unsettling. Mm. And then you have like, right, the, right, soothing, right. the soothing sounds of the saxophone and the love theme. That's like, incredible. I mean, it's a score for it, the ages. So, and, and I have a feeling that Johan Johansson did a score for Blade Runner that they probably dismissed because maybe it was too uh, experimental. I, I would love mm. to hear what Johan Johansson did right. for the movie before, Me before too. they replaced I didn't mind that the score because it did bar, it did try it did list some elements from the Vangela score. Obviously, it had to. I mean, you can't um, you can't have you cannot have you can't do that. It has to do that. I didn't. I mean, I'm. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with the score lifts. Uh, I I like the callbacks, but I, I wanted more of a uh, more of a complete score that uh, uh, I, I don't know that, that uh, seemed, seemed to you know further and and at least match the original. Uh, I guess maybe that's uh, too much to ask for, but I would you know I do believe that Johan Johansson is a better. Uh, uh, a better composer than, than uh, uh, Hans Zimmer. I just I, I don't understand this thing about Hans Zimmer. Does he have like a is is it true that he has like a crew of people under him that really do the writing, and he's just sort of the executive producer of the score? Or is that wrong? Am I wrong about that? Or what? Does anybody know? I mean the official the official uh, the official capacity they're they're co collaborators. So they're co-composers, and and I'm sure that another composer or he brought out another composer to help him since he had to finish the score in record time. I mean, this was like uh-huh. a really right. last minute, last minute thing, you know. It's a major undertaking. Mm. 
Well, maybe that's why. I mean, you know, maybe that's the reason. I think they should have gone with the Johan Johansson. I I, I have uh, full confidence in him. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, is there anything else to say? I mean, oh, I, it does have one great scene with uh, Harrison Ford that takes place in a, <clears throat> I guess, a Las Vegas nightclub or something where they have these uh, 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 holograms of uh, Elvis and uh, Liberace and so forth uh, right, sort right. of malfunctioning in the background. Right, <laughs> and I, I thought right. that was that was one of the most inventive scenes in the movie. Uh, uh, it, it seems like almost all the scenes in the movie that had, had something to do with uh, virtual reality were the best scenes in the film, uh, which is strange, but, um, I, you know, and I have a major nitpick with, uh, okay, I have a, uh, okay, usually, uh, you know, the logic of story or whatever doesn't really enter into, sometimes doesn't, I don't know, I, I had a problem with the story, uh, frankly, one element of the story, and this is kind of a spoiler, so if you're, in, you know, if you haven't seen it, you might want to skip over the next five minutes or so, but what, uh, okay, so so we're searching for, we're out searching for uh, the baby that Rachel has had, um, uh, and my question is, how can, uh, and I'm still not sure if, if Harrison Ford is a replicant or isn't, I think he is. No, I think, I, don't, I have no idea still, I have no clue, really. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job of sort of skirting that, which is which is <laughs> fine, but uh, okay, so if she's <clears throat> able, they've the, everybody's surprised that she was able to have a baby. But how can how can everybody be surprised? It had she had to be designed. She had to be designed with the correct equipment <laughs> to have a child. Why would it be well, a surprise? Well, it's a lot of. Yeah, I'm sure you know there's a lot of continuity plot continuity problems in this movie. Uh huh. Um. There's a lot. I mean, why do you need to build this? Why do you build this a bipedal slave workforce, and then you're going to go ahead and give them their own inner? You know, they have to have they have to so much work to how shall we say it to make them human like human like and everything. You have to do all this stuff, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be more cost effective uh, to do something else? I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, when you break it down, there's a lot of the movie has a lot of problems. I mean. Yeah, I mean, well, we're not even sure what they do, really. Yeah, <laughs> what, are they I mean, doing? what are they doing in this? I mean, at least in the original, you get the sense that they're they're working off off world. They're not uh, right. they're not in they're not in uh, uh, the uh, on Earth. And again, it's another it's another example of uh, I guess uh, you know it's funny you know. I knew I knew it was going to go off the rails once once there were children in it and stuff, you know, children pop up in it. And I was like, yeah. this is going to be another baby-obsessed movie, you know. This is, uh, you know, just like Arrival. Uh, and um, for me, uh, you know, I, I just, <laughs> you know... I'm 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 I've said it on this show before. I, I'm I'm tired of these movies. Uh, uh, you know, 
uh, extolling the virtues of having children and everything. Maybe it's because I'm childless myself, but um, I, uh, uh, I I I don't find anything magical about it or, or children or anything. You know, I mean, it's not like I, I don't like them, but uh, and I, I certainly like a lot of movies with kids in them if it's done right. But uh, but in this, I don't know. <laughs> it's just. A, a, a soft, fuzzy Blade Runner movie? Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. I mean, you know, it's 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 it gets sentimental a little bit, and um, I don't know. I was expecting a a, a lot more from it. Uh, uh, you know, it just did not deliver for me. I. You know, I wish I, I wish I could say say well, better things the, about as it. As for the Harrison, as for the Harrison Ford replicant thing, you know, obviously when they did the movie, the original movie, Harrison Ford knew he was playing it as a human. He strongly felt that Deckard was not human. It was not a replicant. Ridley Scott strongly felt that he was a replicant. But I, I saw a recent interview with Harrison Ford because he's been on the circuit big time. Lately, for this movie, uh, and he said he he appreciates that that has become a question in in viewers' minds because it's it's part of the reason why the Blade Runner has been has been able to thrive over the years uh, because of the, these unanswered questions around them. And he said that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think he's come yeah, to terms yeah. with the ambiguity of it mm. uh, from that first movie. Years ago, I uh, interviewed uh, uh, Edward James Olmos, and he confirmed to me – this was in 88. He, he confirmed to me that uh, that, that uh, Deckard was a replicant and that it was, yeah. that it was you know, it, it, that was written into the movie. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Harrison Ford's the last one to know, I guess, but uh, – uh, no, I mean Harrison, Harrison yeah. Ford. Knew, Harrison Ford knew. He just he just refused to accept it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's, that's part of part that's... of the director's cut with the whole unicorn and everything that was that spelled that theory out a lot a lot more. The the one that mm-hmm. they cut from the original um, unicorn sequence. But uh, yeah, he, I mean he's embraced it now, which I think is, is good. He doesn't think he's he doesn't think he's a replicant, but he's okay with people thinking that he might be. I think. Okay. Well, they did a good job of keeping the question alive uh in in the yeah. movie at least. Uh but uh I I I I still find the whole thing the the whole mechanics of, you know, replicants having children or whatever. Uh, that's just uh, you know, that's weird to me. <laughs> what if it's what, it doesn't could, make could any it sense. Immaculate, uh, been an immaculate conception. Oh, could uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe oh, that's the. Oh, no, uh, God, no, let's not, let's not. No, 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 no. We don't want to. Um, oh, which, which, which could have, which could have big ramifications <laughs> in terms of, you know, we we started our whole religion on an immaculate conception, which has come mm-hmm. to define humankind. So that can mm-hmm. have ramifications for replicant. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, I, maybe, I don't know. Um but uh yeah, so <laughs> um okay. I don't know. <laughs> hey, let's talk about sexual harassment. Uh <laughs> Oh yay. 
Okay. So Har- <laughs> Harvey, Harvey, you know, this has been going on for a few weeks, though, like one after another in the film. Oh, it's, uh, it's, oh man. started with Devin Faraci and got worse from there. Yeah, oh, Harry Knowles, and then last, last week, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And, uh, and also now the surprise you. Does it surprise you well, about Harvey Weinstein, though? Let, let me mention let me mention another guy that's just gotten caught uh, doing oh, another uh, another film guy. The guy who I don't know his name, Andy something. Uh, the guy who started Honest Trailers, you know, which I hate. Oh. I just, <laughs> he's also been uh, let go from the company that I guess he started uh, by, uh, you know, after allegations of more sexual misconduct. Uh, uh, does it surprise me that uh, Harvey Weinstein? No. Everybody knew that he was an asshole. Uh, no one wanted to say anything because they didn't want to be blackballed out of the industry because um, he was too powerful, I guess, um, which that's on them. You know, if they knew about it and didn't say anything, I guess that's on them. But it was common knowledge that he was uh, – he was a general asshole, and you know, uh, to artists uh, taking over their movies. Uh, you know, he had a has a huge temper. Uh, no doubt, things were thrown at underlings, <laughs> and 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 uh, threats were threats have been uh, probably leveled by him against people. Uh, so why wouldn't you believe that? Uh, also, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's sexual harassment and uh, and the uh, in in the mix there. I mean, why wouldn't you believe that? Of course, you know, uh, it's, it's no surprise to me. One newscaster, one newscaster said that he started masturbating in front of her or to her in the hallway yeah. of a restaurant. And then he, and then just, I, I, he he finished off in a potted potted plant that was sitting nearby. Uh, that's the kind of thing you just wouldn't couldn't even make up. Really, it's like what? But uh, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, you know, he's a he's a pig. He's a pig. Uh, so I mean, I, I I have no problem though. His I mean, own brother leaving no uh, the stuff the stuff in down and dirty pictures uh, published fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, mm. about him. Well, his brother hates him, uh, and apparently, uh, and they've had a contentious relationship all throughout this, their success and everything. Uh, and apparently, Bob Weinstein is possibly the person that sort of released a lot of the information that uh, that led up to this story being printed in the New York Times. And then you've got the Harry Knowles thing. Uh, and by the way, all these guys are like heavy set. I, you know, I don't know what Devin Faraci looks like. Uh, except he was I know he's for got a it. long time, though. He was, and he. I mean, I know he lost weight, but he was. But there's no, there's just no excuse. I don't care what they do. There's no excuse for this kind of behavior. And they hushed it up. I think Alamo, though. Let's let's talk about the other victim here. Is Alamo really shot themselves in the foot? Um, the Alamo Draft House chain by you know. Tim, when Tim League basically said, "Oh, he's that Devin Faraci's been working for me," no, you know, behind the scenes, mm. that's what really started all this. Remember, I mean, a couple yes. of weeks or months ago, and there's talk that Alamo really just 
destroyed their brand in just a matter of minutes. I mean, because remember the thing with yeah. Gary Knowles, that, that, these that, incidents that, happened at Alamo Draft House. Oh, they did? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. What were you going to say, Jamie? Well, I mean, uh, yes, I'm vehemently opposed to sexual harassment, and it's, you know, these are these are geeks probably who never talked to a woman before in their life, and all of a yeah. sudden they have this sense of inflated power and ego, which is yeah. silly. I mean, because Harry Knowles runs a website that a two-year-old could build. Uh, you know, it's this fake kind of empowerment that they feel to do this shit. So if they were, you know, it's a major character flaw that obviously it speaks to a major character flaw in these people, and it's bad, it's wrong. But I think it's also wrong for anyone that's ever been associated with them to pay for it somehow. The the easy it's so easy to smear people nowadays and have right. a stick. Mm-hmm. Just where you're guilty by knowing someone. Yeah, uh, it's just it, it's a little distasteful to me. But if you're if you're in any company and you're proven to be uh, a harasser, uh, then you should be removed. I mean that's there's. No question of that, and I'm sure the Alamo Drafthouse thought, well, you know, he's he's working on himself, and everyone deserves a second chance. In Devin Faraci's case, and uh, I mean, they were made to pay for that, uh, <laughs> for try to give him that second chance. It's not just that, though. It's it, all right. I can understand that, but here we have this incident with Harry Knowles, which happened repeatedly at a couple times, not repeatedly, but a couple times at Alamo Drafthouse. And what's really bad about it is that some of the people, the women, he. Um, did this to like Britt Hayes who writes for the Alamo Draft House site, one of them in the birth movie's death and it used to be badass. I just you know, it it, it just it I don't know what it you know, it's just it, it, if it keeps they let they try to just sweep this or keep this hush hush under the rug. Um for a long time it sounds like. I'm not I know I agree with you, Jamie, about the whole thing about the smear and everything, but if they were accomplices in this they should I do think they need to be held responsible. Um, That's true. Well, they say something. Well, they say something like, "We'll just stay away from them." Uh, yeah. Uh, is that what you're talking about? When they got complaints yeah, about Harry that, Knowles? That, yeah. Uh, which is so, stu- which is so kind of stupid to me. If, if okay, I mean, I, I got you on that point. Uh, because he's too powerful to uh, to to not be associated with. I mean, this is a. A fat yeah. kid that probably lived in his mother's basement for most of his life. Uh, yeah, I just, I just, this new generation of like uh, fake uh, celebrities. I mean, that's that's what these people are. Uh, that, that's true. Harry Knowles has never. Uh, Harry Knowles has never been worth reading. Uh, I think he's. I think the the geek culture that he's brought on, and I I recognize the name of our show's movie Geek United. But the key culture that he brought on, I I think is largely pretty worthless, and distracts from I agree you know, with that. what movies the the true importance of movies. That is absolutely the case. That's exactly well, why I've always. It doesn't matter now. I mean, you got to also remember the thing about Harry Knowles is he, the last couple of years, um, his this site he has fallen. I mean, he had to he would do. Oh, what is it, GoFundMe's or whatever? Or whatever. He's lost whatever money he did have. He lost. I mean, he's had his his name. Yeah. 
the days of ruining a movie by him are long gone. I mean, they, we're talking uh-huh. a good tenure. You know, remember the whole thing with Batman and Robin? Remember that whole thing? That's how he actually became very popular, was because their site broke the thing that the movie was horrible. And mm-hmm. um, they were the ones, that, and that's how he gained his, his street creed, or whatever you want to call it. But the last couple of years have been very unkind to him. He burned a lot of bridges, and a lot of the guys that wrote for him left after this thing. A lot of the guys just left. A lot of people just didn't want to associate with him anymore. And my question about that, that's all fine and everything, but did you know he was doing this? It must be that people must have known about this. I mean, this could not have been a shocking thing, like people knew about Harvey Weinstein. It just just doesn't sound, you know... It's got to come to point where if this if this had never been called out in public, would you know would people still you know yeah, be but, there? But how far? Know? Well, it, there's a couple of things with that. I mean, it's t- it's telling that uh, when Harry Knowles goes downhill, that's when this stuff comes out. It's not when he's at the peak of his pretend powers, right? That it, that yeah. uh, it goes really mm-hmm. massively public. Same thing with Harvey Weinstein. I mean, everybody knew about the temper and all, and that he was uh, he was inappropriate at times, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, Harvey, Harvey Harvey Weinstein is not the player that he used to be. He, I'm sure he still had power. We still talk about his power every Oscar season, but less and less. I think the Weinstein company probably would have gone downhill a lot sooner if it hadn't have been for Bob Weinstein. At a certain point, right. Bob Weinstein was the one that made that company profitable. He went out and he made his uh, scary movies and all that kind of stuff, and they were the only yeah. movies that really made much money, much money at some point for the Weinstein Company, and screen mm-hmm. and all that kind of If people knew about, you know, obviously Alamo, I mean, Tim Lee really, it was a bad judgment call on his part to to give, like, someone like Faraki a second I chance. I agree. And we had all thought, I mean, it was a bad uh, And especially call. considering there's so many people out there, so many uh, uh, suitable bloggers that they could have gone to for Can that I material. something? Can I just bring up something real quick before we, you know, there was one guy who who now is like trying to get back into this, but the guy who started Chud long ago, Nick Manzita, gave all these guys their big break. Really good guy, and he sells. He, I guess, he went back to selling cigars, but he tried to break into. He was in the movie business, produced, worked with Guillermo del Toro, and he's really sort of the unsung hero that never gets mentioned because he was the one who gave Devin Faraci his big break. And how did he repay Nick? Uh, Nick didn't have the money to pay him to go to some film festival. So what does Devin do? He leaves Chud because he's so angry that no one's going to pay for his flight or whatever, his plane ticket or hotel. Then he leaves and goes to join Badass, the Badass Digest thing. And we don't, you know, these guys needed someone to help, you know, give them a, a break. You know, everyone thinks that Devin was this great thing. He's really an asshole. He told people to commit suicide online. A real asshole, epic proportion. Um, mm-hmm. Really conceited. And, and let's not make like, yeah, he wrote some good stuff, but hey, you know, I can name you, like you said, Dean, there are a lot of guys who wrote great stuff during this time. Um, yeah. But there is a guy, this guy, Nick, deserves credit. You know, he gave a lot of people their big break. No one ever talks about him, but he made all this possible. A lot of people want to say Harry and all this. Harry knows what he made being a loud, obnoxious piece of shit. Um, <laughs> acceptable. Let's be honest. This is a guy who every people went on his site for the last fifteen years to make fun of him. 
Mm-hmm. If you've ever read the comments, they're hilarious because no one reads the reviews because they're unreadable. Honestly, they're awful. They're oh, it's they're it's the worst. The the worst reviews on, online, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think his reviews, particularly, he takes he writes these long, windy. Uh, I mean, he makes Terrence yeah. cohesive. Um, <laughs> You know? Yeah, and and they always they always add this stuff about I don't know I don't need to know what route you took to drive to the movie theater. Yes, uh, you know they. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to know what you did before and did afterwards and all that shit. Stupid. It's stupid. Well, I, you know, and I, I got to say this too. I mean, the these topics are so sensitive. I do realize yeah. that a problem like this is systemic. I, I just I just can't understand it. Like I, if I made a girl feel uncomfortable, which I've only really been in relationships in my life, I've never spent much time flirting or trying to woo people. I just kind of fall into relationships. If I made somebody feel like that and they weren't receptive to it from the start, I wouldn't like feeling skizzy like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's wrong with these people? I mean that's the, I that's know. a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling to 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 know that you're making uh, another uh uh making a woman feel uh scared or uncomfortable or whatever. It's like ugh, show, show I don't your want tits. that. Show me your tits and I'll let you into this movie. It's like yeah. what? I mean that that is that is I don't know. I don't know what that I, is. That it, and it's not just an inability to to get a girlfriend or something. I mean, that speaks to something else. He's That's... married. He's married for crying out loud, Harry Knowles. <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. I, I didn't know that. But, uh... yeah, he's been married <laughs> for a long time, guys. I mean, yeah, I, get, I, mean, I guess married. if you have, I get, you know, I mean, look who, look who Harvey's married to. Harvey's married to a beautiful, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, a beautiful woman, obviously. And like, but man, all of these guys are like horrendous, uh, and, and, and wouldn't, wouldn't have women yeah. unless if they didn't if they weren't successful, uh, if they didn't have money or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they didn't have money. Because, let's, let's just get right down to it. They didn't have cause money because they, they're they're horrendous. They're they're uh, to to a man. They're all horrendous <laughs> people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, which lets you, you know, know that even even without that power, they. They were like that, just just uh, you know, by by virtue of having that power, it allowed it allowed them to feel em- empowered to display it more. But yeah, it's a character yeah. flaw that's present in you before. Yeah, you know. yeah. No amount of money or power is going to ever you know erase, erase that. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. True, it's true. Yeah, uh, but uh, it could have happened to four more assholey people. I mean, tell you the truth, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm, 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 I, I'm just eating up the plate of Schadenfreude in front of me. Just ah, I love it. It t- it's so tasty. I love it. <laughs> just. Uh, if I never see, particularly Harry Novels, who I just find so insulting on so many different levels, uh, uh, particularly yeah. you know his effect on the movie industry and on film criticism, uh, uh, I you know I, if I never see him again, well, be, well, the, I don't the main, the main detrimental right. effect that he has on film criticism is people looked at it and said it was criticism, which was which yeah. was enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it wasn't. 
I mean, could it's you imagine? Could you imagine uh, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, the one that not the Paulette, but uh, not Pauline Kale, but the the flip side, her uh, Saris. Could you imagine oh, either yeah. one of them like getting in the ring in a fucking boxing match because they don't yeah. like one another, like Farachi did with that mumblecore director? Yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> doing that childish shit. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Stupid. I didn't was know about this. Like, you know, you know, and Jeff Swanberg knocked him out, right? I mean. Oh, Swanberg. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Swanberg's kind of a big guy, so uh, yeah, I, I hope mean, so. You know, yeah, no, he did. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I think Devin also got punched, got punched in the stomach by Richard Dreyfuss. I'm not making that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Somebody wow. Has some it's a great white. Richard Dreyfuss is in uh, Tampa. This weekend, he's at some kind of comic book convention. He's doing the Comic Con circuit. Richard Dreyfus huh. says, "Oh, good for him." Yeah, why is I am Richard Dreyfus? <laughs> <laughs> you got to do the laugh. Oh. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, this is a good segue. Did you guys watch the two and a half hour Spielberg documentary that aired on yes, HBO yes, last I, night? I liked it. I liked it. I, I haven't I seen it I yet. I liked it. I, I thought it was very enjoyable. If that's a good word for it, but I mean, it's not just two hours of ass kissing, is it? No, it actually. Uh, I was surprised how how much time it spends debating uh, his value that he's just a popcorn artist. It does spend yeah, a lot. I mean, it does spend a lot of time with that question. I mean, obviously, it comes out on Spielberg's side, but it even keeps uh, sound bites like Tom Stoppard who wrote the screenplay for Empire of the Sun, he talks about, I, I do think Empire of the Sun's a great movie, but it is too sentimental for my taste. He says right, that, yeah, that there's yeah, something yeah. In, Spiel, in Spielberg where sentiment is, is something that he's attracted to. He says, it's not what I wrote. Uh, so so there, yes, there, yeah, that there was are good. people that, that voice that. But the, the, part mm. about, uh, the part about Schindler's List is particularly uh, moving Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a great I, it, the movie went on and on. I thought if they don't mention Munich, then this movie's not worth anything. And but they spent a lot, uh, quite a bit of time on Munich towards the end, which made mm-hmm. me happy. Mm. No, they, they they did a really. I thought it was all in all, you know, just really well done, and you get to see a lot of people that we like, like the Palma and Coppola, Lucas, you know, all interviewed and. Um, this is really rather is I, I thought that was very enjoyable. It was not what I was expecting. Um so and that was good because I wasn't expecting anything no great shakes and it turned out to be actually really really good. And no, it's a really good portrait. Yeah. Yeah. And uh you know, everybody's there, the Scorsese and uh you know, everybody's interviewed on camera. Scorsese's always always very complimentary and diplomatic to all yes. artists. I mean I've I've never heard yes. Scorsese say a bad word about another artist. Which is another thing that bothers me about some filmmakers today, uh, i.e. Terry Gilliam, um, bad bad mouthing other artists. I think it's such bad form. But Scorsese doesn't do that. Guys, um, guys, can I can I? Uh, I'm dropping out here for a minute. Okay. Okay. I've got a, okay. I've got a little emergency here. Okay. Okay. Hold. Uh, I'll be back Bye. in a minute. Okay. okay. All right. But uh, yeah, and and there was there's the site that uh, 
Dean reads a lot, and I, I read it too. That Hollywood Elsewhere, that Jeffrey Wells guy. Mm-hmm. Jeff, right, right. Jeffrey Wells is pretty merciless against Spielberg. I mean, he thinks he's a great craftsman, but completely empty. I mean, he's 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 on the other side of the arguments from what they presented in the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I just think that's too too much of a shallow. I think that argument shallow. is as shallow as what it purports to criticize in Spielberg's work. I, I think the mm-hmm. argument itself is shallow. Um, I had actually gained some new appreciation for some of the films I'm not crazy about, actually, because looking at them in the broader context of what Spielberg's themes are, um, you know, the whole, if you really look at it, maybe every film is really about the search for family. Um, yeah. Every, or all, even like, like, even like something like the BFG, even, um, or the Terminal. Are um, really in the end about some, finding some sort of family. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I didn't know this though. I didn't realize when they went to go make Raiders of the Lost Ark, they were not. They wanted anyone. They wanted anyone else to direct it, but him. I did not know that. Um, that kind of caught. I was that. I was surprised by that. Because um, he was known as a director that went over over schedule and over budget. Yeah. So, so yeah. his. his 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 mandate for Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'm going to make this as quickly and as cheaply as possible. And he did it. Uh, yeah. I mean, which, which, and he came out with Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what's so crazy about that. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> to be able to do He's an amazing that. filmmaker. I mean, and you know what impressed me most about Spielberg is that, uh, is what was expressed in that documentary that, that, the visual language is almost like his native tongue that he right. can walk on the set and not know what he's going to shoot. Um, he can walk on a set as complicated as the Omaha beach sequence in private Ryan, yeah. not know how he's going to shoot it, not have it storyboarded and, right. and, and capture what he captured is just amazing that he is mm-hmm. that fast on his feet um, I, I, I mean that's stunning. That's, that's a wonder kind, and yeah, his films I mean. have, his films have gotten gotten deeper as he's gotten older, as he's matured. His films mm-hmm. have too. Um, yes, I mean, they the have. man that made Munich, uh, the man that made Munich, isn't the same person that made Jaws. Uh, right. You know the one movie, uh, the one movie that they didn't even show a clip of that I remember, was Always. That's the yeah, one Spielberg movie saying. this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is. I was curious. That's an that is an important movie in itself. Only if because just Audrey Hepburn's appearance in the movie. I mean, at least mention that. I mean, I because when talking about that movie, that is like what we talk about: Audrey Hepburn's appearance in the movie, and how that's sort of a connection to the old Hollywood, if you will. Yeah. So I, I was shocked by that too. Um, even Hook is mentioned. I mean, <laughs> you yeah. Know, but uh, and then there was another tidbit that really interested me in terms of the cinematography of Schindler's List, mm-hmm. where they they did not want to, as difficult as it was, to show the Nazis in a stereotypically you know mustache twirling light, right. where Ray Fiennes Ray Fiennes is lit like immaculately. He's almost, his face is almost yeah. blown out. Got so much light. Yeah, on it. it's Schindler. It's Oscar Schindler who is shown in shadow for most of it. 
because he's right. this mysterious yeah. enigma. I right. thought that was fascinating. Yes, no, 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 I agree. I agree 100% about that. Um, um, definitely. Um, no, that's, it, it, was a, it was a really good documentary. I was really impressed by how much I liked it. Um, very engrossing. Um, and just the stuff about his home life and everything, just all that stuff was, I thought, thought I, I, you know, I, and it was two and a half hours. I didn't notice the time go by at all. Um, they showed one of my favorite moments from any movie, which is Empire of the Sun, where he approaches the plane and the sparks are flying and he turns and he starts. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's one of my favorite scenes in any movie. And, and man, what a gorgeous movie Empire of the Sun was. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And essentially, they kind of, I mean, I got the sense that the movie and a lot of its participants wrote off uh, Color Purple as, uh, you know, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done I got that vibe totally um, from that. Um, but I, I I always thought Color was a, a very bold movie. For, so on the, you know, as you said, it's a very, you know, that's the last thing you would expect from Spielberg at that time. Um, and, you know, you it's, a, it's an to, important movie. You compare it to um, the book and what he cut mm-hmm. out. Oh yeah, no, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. I mean, as much as as much as he could, he did really Spielbergize it. Yeah, which mm-hmm. uh, which was, uh, I guess, offends a lot of people. But I remember when the color purple came out, and uh, there were so many raves for it. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember the, the ads for it, like four stars covering the damn ad um, saying that, you know, this is Spielberg we've never seen before, you know, legit, mm-hmm. legitimizing him as a really serious filmmaker. See, I think the breakthrough film was Empire of the Sun. I think Empire of mm-hmm. the Sun was the perfect bridge between mm-hmm. the adolescent Spielberg and the more grown-up adult Spielberg that we were yet to see. I think I think the movie combined the two of those. Uh, pretty flawless, flawlessly for me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no, I agree. No, I agree. Well, speaking of Liam Neeson, um, I saw Mark Felt yesterday, um, the man who brought down the White House, and just what a contrast in performances. Because sometimes I feel like in Mark Felt, all Liam Neeson is doing is shouting about the FBI. Well, the FBI doesn't take orders from anybody. <laughs> you get that every other um, minute. But uh, it's not a bad movie, actually. It's a pretty good movie. So Mark Felt is the guy who was, we learned several years ago, is deep throat in the Watergate investigation. And this is this movie starts, um, um, and they keep they have a little thing in the beginning, like this many days before the 72 election, this many days, and about obviously the Watergate break-in. It's about the shift, the changing of the guard from Hoover to Gray at the FBI. So it's all the behind the scenes of what went down to bring down the uh, Nixon White House. Uh, an interesting movie. I don't know. I don't know if it's a great movie, but it's certainly an engrossing movie. Um, but I don't know where it stands with all the other Watergate-related motion pictures we have. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know if it's fair to say this is a movie trying to comment on what's going on right now because I think it was started long before um, anyone knew that Trump was going to win the presidency. So um, I, I, I think it's kind of... I, I want to say it's kind of... Is, is Liam Neeson wrong? Hey, uh, hey guys. Uh, yeah. I've, got to, I've got to drop out of the show. Uh, 
Okay. There's a major emergency here. So. Oh, God, are you all okay. right? Are you okay? We're all right. It's just uh, one of the cats is missing. Oh, okay. So yeah, okay. I've got to search for him. Okay. okay. I'm right. sorry. Okay. All right. Good luck, man. All right. Okay. See you guys later. Yeah. Is Liam Neeson wrong for it? No. No, he's not wrong for it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. My, so I guess like a lot of us, our introduction to Mark Felt is towards the end of his life, or he's already, I might have already, I don't, yeah. he was still alive when they made the, when they, when the news came out, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't he right. still alive? Got, right. Okay. And remember, one of the first things that said is an interview with Nora Ephron, she was still alive, and she was always says when she was looking in the notes on Carl Bernstein's notes when they were married, um, she would see the initials MF. And she just always thought that stood for motherfucker. Um, I'll never forget it. She just oh, no, that's like, no, she said that. She thought it stood for no, motherfucker. No, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. It's real. So maybe I lost, yeah. Um, so that's really a lot of our, obviously, most of our um, But you know why, dude? Nobody, you know, over the years when people have speculated about who Deep Throat might be, I never heard the name Mark Felt. The, more never. than anyone, I always, I always heard the name like Pat Buchanan. Uh, I mean, there are some names that I heard. Al but Hayes. I was like, Al who Hayes the hell is Mark Felt? Name. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is yeah. that? I mean, there's always like Al Hayes for a long time, people thought. And he always had to deny in any interview, no, I wasn't deep. If you had, and he's always saying, if you had read my book, you'd know I'm not Deep Throat. Um, thank you, it's, Al. It's amazing, <laughs> it's amazing that no, nobody knew who Deep Throat was. And when they announced who Deep Throat was, no one still knew who Deep Throat was. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I mean, um, is he, but that's a good question, actually. Is he wrong for the part? No, I don't think he's wrong because I don't think he's a good actor. Obviously, Sailor's Lisp and, and things like that. But ever since he's taken on the mantle, I guess in the Taken movies as his very action hero, I know it's kind of hard to sometimes believe that he can do a serious part. But he he does, he does a decent job. Um, but like I said, my only I only know Mark Felt as an old guy who they introduced when they broke yeah. the news. I mean, so it's hard it's hard for me to really say what Mark Felt was like in his prime. Um, so, but it, did he, he even do an interview? After that revelation, I don't even know if he did an interview after the, it was. I don't interview. know. I'd have to. I, 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 I knew. I remember the news footage of him, like his his children holding him up and him waving from the from mm-hmm. his front doorstep of the news media. Right, right. Yeah, no, no, that's um, mm-hmm. that's yeah. So it's 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 an interesting thing, but you know, you, you talk about Hoover, um, because he you know it begins a movie where he's passed away. I'm already, you know, thinking of it's Bob Hoskins who plays Hoover and Nixon, right? Um, the yeah. Stone movie, and I always think of it as a trailer. So, and then I kept thinking of also that Leonardo DiCaprio, that awful Eastwood movie, and I was like, oh yeah, that's something DiCaprio movie touched on this too. Yeah, I just kept thinking of that. So I kept taking myself out of the movie for the first half because I kept thinking of those roles. So, um, yeah. who's Hoover? Who's Hoover in this one? No, Hoover's not even there. There's no, there's no one is. Um, he's just. It just mentioned that he's. He's. It begins basically where he's passed. He's died. He dies and okay. And uh, Gray takes his. I think it's John Gray is his name. It takes over as the head of the FBI. Um, so well, it's uh, interesting. I uh, I just uh, I just watched a movie or rewatched a movie that has Hoover in it. Uh, uh, Attenborough's Chaplin. Um, oh yeah, yeah. If, Hoover's portrayed by Kevin Dunn in that, uh, oh, wow. and it's a, it's a it's a fine it's a fine performance. It's the least cartoony of all the Hoovers. 
Uh, right. And I, I think Leo's is cartoony only because he's he's wearing so much. He could just as well be in Dick Tracy. He's wearing so much prosthetics. But Chaplin, I was I don't know why I got in the mood to watch it again. I hadn't seen it since it first came out. Robert Downey Jr. is yeah. the, I mean, he's amazing in, uh, in in recreating a lot of those moments. I I don't think they recreate enough. The movie could use a little bit more of that. Uh, right. At the same time, I I think that uh, Attenborough, when you when you think of like the magic the magic of movies and and Chaplin having such kind of a heavy life, and yet we know him as this very light on his feet. Uh, physical comedian of supernatural gifts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think Attenborough was the wrong director for it. I think he wanted to make some kind of like Charles Dickens like movie about a kid that grew up in poverty and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Right. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he was the wrong filmmaker for it. But the movie has a lot of good good moments in it, and Downey Jr. is wonderful in it. Yeah, no, no, it's a great Downey Jr. performance from what I remember, but I haven't seen it since it, it first came out either. It's been that long. For me. Was who played it? Remember the the uh, Bogdanovich movie, The Cat's Meow? Yeah, who played Chaplin in that? Um, was that who I wasn't Chaplin? Wasn't Chaplin Eddie? Eddie is uh, who did Eddie is? Yeah, I want to say was it, I think Eddie is. That was a good. I thought that was a good um, Chaplin performance um, from that movie. I thought that was actually pretty decent. Um, even though that's just a it's a minor part of his life. I mean, just but I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Is anyone going to care about Avatar two when it comes out in uh, two thousand twenty? Well, we have I, 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 you know, I mean, if, there's Avatar two, but I think the the other news that I find astounding is that he's going. There's going to be another Terminator movie. Um. That he's going to produce, that Tim Miller is going to direct, and Arnold's going to come back, and Linda Hamilton's going to come back. I mean, is there yeah. really a need for? It? I know he says he wants to do it because he believes that there's a whole new direction, a spin on it because of the, the AI, you know, the artificial intelligence, you know, threat and all that. How it's just become more prevalent in our society, and how a lot of people fear it and everything. But do we really need a six Terminator? I mean, he used to scoff at these sequels. I mean, that they made. Well, what what he really Sorry. sees is uh, what he really sees is an age where nostalgia rules nowadays. Uh, oh, yeah. So he's trying to capitalize on that. Right, right. No, I understand that. Um, but I just was surprised he would want to go back to that. I because I just once he's done with Avatar, I mean, how old is he going to be <laughs> be when those are done? I mean, yeah, he he won't have time for anything else. I mean, that's it. Yeah, I mean. I mean, he's really going. How do I say this? He's making the mistake that Lucas and Peter Jackson did, really, just to be associated with one thing, really, at the end. You know, Jackson, the Hobbit film, Lord of the Rings, and, and Lucas, Star Wars, obviously. But to just be a. This is going to be it. This is going to be, I would imagine, what we're left with three Avatar sequels. That there's not a guarantee that, that he'll be able to recapture that. I don't know if he can recapture that magic of the first one. Um, the novelty and all that. I don't know if people cared that much to revisit it. I mean, I don't want to doubt him because every yeah. time some people would doubt him, he comes out on top. But I, I really want to know what he yeah. has up his sleeve with this. He must have something. Um, 
I don't I don't doubt him in terms of his ability to appeal to the masses. Right. Uh, I, I don't think Avatar's a great take away the gimmicks and I don't think it's a great yeah. movie at its heart. But right. um the problem is, I mean, it's a billion dollars that they're financing all four, two, three, four, five. All four of these yeah. upcoming avatars. They're in production of two and three at the same time and then they take a break and then they produce four and five back to back. So um, right. if people don't care about Avatar 2, they, they sure as hell aren't going to care about Avatar 5. So that's a huge no, gamble. No, no. <laughs> oh, it's enormous. I mean, it's it's an enormous gamble, Jamie. I just don't – I just don't – I don't even know if he, having him back on the – a sixth Terminator movie is going to really bring people back. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just me. I, I could be very well wrong, um, but yeah. You know, this is the guy. I mean, this is the guy that uh, the technology did not exist to make Avatar, and so he made the te- he, he made the technology. Right. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that no, makes the rover that goes goes up on Mars and collects samples. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes, no. He's he's he's, he's not to be uh, dismissed. No, he's not, the first to be reckoned with. Yeah, no, no. I, I would I would never bet against him. So he must know something we don't know. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, really, yeah. I, uh, I watched, I watched uh, game. I, oh, you did good. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I mean, you me the last 10 minutes, but my God, I, I, I see where she's getting out of the handcuffs. Holy sh- I was cringing like crazy during that part. Oh my God. Oh yeah. It's tough. It's, oh my it's God. Tough. Dude, it's not a movie I'll crazy. revisit. Oh God. No. It's not a pleasant <laughs> movie. But... No, it's not. Oh, a God, those last 10 minutes, you're like, what the hell is this? Like the, I've never seen a movie deflate so badly. Oh yeah, no, no, I agree, dude. It's just like, what the hell is going on? I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, I did watch like this. Uh, I rewatched a movie that I think is incredibly underrated. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine horror supernatural movie, A Stir of Echoes, the David Kep movie. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's incredibly good. Little genre movie. Yeah, no, it is. It's it is a good movie. It's you know it has. It's, it, isn't it? Wasn't it at the time though? It, it, because of the problem was it came right after the Sixth Sense, so people thought they were similar in some ways. So, like the Sixth Sense got a lot of that, got you know, all that attention. But no, sure, Echoes is a damn good movie. I mean, it's a good movie. I like yeah. it. It's a good. Was that David Kep's first direction, or was Trigger Effect his first? I think the Trigger Effect was the Trigger Effect. I think was his first one. Yeah, I need to revisit that. I haven't seen that since it came out either. Yeah, no, he's directed a couple of really good. He's still, you know, he's a, he's a decent director. I mean, he's a... um. Anyway, Kate Winslet joined uh, Avatar, uh, which I guess. Yeah, is... what, what's he? What's he gonna play? What the hell part is? He gonna play? <laughs> uh, somebody blue. Oh, okay. Someone blue, great. Jared, Jared Leto. <laughs> Do you remember that guy that we talked to, that uh, the Chapter Twenty Seven director? Yes, 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 uh, I do. Yes, I... and I guess I kept mispronouncing Jared Jared Leto's name. I kept saying Leto, and he got upset about right. it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I do remember. <laughs> he was a bit of a prick, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jared Leto's playing Hugh Hefner in a biopic. Oh, here we go. Here. We... <laughs> You have to again. Okay. Um, yeah, no, no, I, um, Jesus Christ. Oh, here we go. 
Produced by yeah, Brett Ratner. Producing? I don't know if it's directed well, by Brett Ratner. I don't think it's directed. I know, I know he's producing that. Um, hmm. We'll have to. We'll have to see. Um. I don't. I, I. I don't know. I don't know what. I. I Jared Leto is not the wrong letter or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you got me. Um, it's not the. It's not the first person to see. But that's what I don't. I don't have a problem with it per se. But um, we'll see. Uh, I just don't know. Um. Well, I mean, Jared Leto is like. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna keep saying Leto. Uh, just, just to be an anarchist. <laughs> he's like a. He's like an actor with a capital A. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I, I don't know. There, he had a moment in Dallas Buyers Club that I thought was just amazing, like a mm-hmm. moment where he's dying, um, right? Where I felt like I, I could feel the the soul of that character, but for the most part, I see him kind of showing off. Uh, right, right. And I think that's probably what a lot of people have problems with with him. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I I wouldn't think of him for you Hefner, but uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the whole thing. All the stories that came out about him on Suicide Club, um, all those crazy stories from other cast members, like when he sent like like dead animals or some or, you know some stuff like that. To and um, but I, I look anybody who would take that perform that character on after Heath Ledger, you know, you have to have some big balls to do that. Um, but um, I, I just, I, you know, I like my thing with Blade Runner twenty forty nine is I just thought his his character took me out of the movie, um, and, and that's that's one of the few complaints. I mean, I, I like the movie; I think it's a solid sequel. But that was one of my complaints with him. I just thought he took me out of the movie when he was on. Um, right. So that's yeah. I don't know, dude. I gotta say, if Decker, if Harrison Ford meant Decker to be a human. In the first Blade Runner, uh, mm-hmm. couldn't he have played it? Uh, couldn't he have played it uh, more human? <laughs> that, that has to be. I mean, it, presumed innocent is less deadpan than. Uh, <laughs> <Blade> <laughs> <Runner>. <laughs> That's pretty funny, man. Huh? I don't know. There, there are no warm fuzzies in. Uh, you, you don't get a sense that you're watching a relatable human being necessarily in Blade Runner. Right, and I mean, yeah, I you know I don't know where I stand on it because I I gotta take in this movie I get no clearer thing that is he a human or a replicant. I actually think he's a little bit more human in this than he is in the first one, only because everyone else is. I don't know who's human in this movie. I'm not joking when I say that. I have no idea who's a goddamn human in this movie. Um, so. He comes across as well, the most human in the movie. I don't know. You keep cashing the checks. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's let's do a list and let's you see what's, done a list in what's a while. missing. I don't know. Well, we talked about Schindler's List earlier, but we'll do an actual list. <laughs> these are, according to Vulture, these are the top ten Harrison Ford movies. If Hanover right. is not on this list, it's not a list. It's probably at the bottom. I mean, they rank every one of them. <laughs> it's one of those lists. But I'm, I'm, let me see what's at the very bottom of the list. Hang on. Would you say that's his worst? 
No, I just said it was like one of his first, wasn't it one of his first big parts? Um, not big parts, but he was first, like, wasn't that his like first, like, I think acting credit, or was it, it wasn't the, the, the Frisco Kid, was it, or? Hanover Street is number 36 out of 30, or is number 33 <laughs> out of 36. Below it is, is Firewall, Hollywood okay. Homicide, and The Expendables 3. Oh, that's right. He was in The Expendables 3. I forgot all about it. Shit, I had no idea. I don't know how they rank these because, frankly, Harrison Ford's been in some great movies that you that you barely remember Harrison Ford was in. You wouldn't call them yes. Harrison Ford movies, but right. technically – Apocalypse Now is a Harrison Ford movie. The Conversation is a Harrison Ford movie. <laughs> right, but, right. Uh, you know, I, I think they're talking about movies that he that he starred in that uh, that without question belong to him, like the Tin Bat. Right. So here we go. Let's let's hear. Let's number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Number ten. Uh, number ten is Air Force One. Ugh. Donald mm-hmm. Trump's favorite movie. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it's I, it's perfect for I. You know, it's he's it's, at the height still. He's still at the height of his like prowess, if you'll call it that. Um, I mean, it's a that it's movie's a, got some isn't awful that a, visual effects. Remember the visual effects in that, that movie? Yes. Well, I, I don't remember the movie that well, but yes. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Like, <laughs> Standing out that much, but okay. But that's what we're going on number ten. I don't know. I put the Expendables three maybe for that, but okay. <laughs> All right, let's let's go with number nine. <laughs> number nine is uh, Presumed Innocent, which I think is okay, his top that, three. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I now I'm really. Oh God, where are we going with this list? Okay. Um, you know, this. I mean, it's tricky because I mean he's made some really good films. Yeah, no, yeah. So if no, you're doing the if you're doing the best Harrison Ford films, are you really doing it? Uh, doing a list of his films? Are you doing a list of uh, movies that he was best in? Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's keep, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, Number eight is uh, Blade Runner. Okay. All right. Um, um, Hmm. Number seven, it's Frantic. What do you think of Frantic? I like Frantic. Um, I do like you know it's, it's it's a good it's a good movie. I mean it's a solid you know, but I you know the two there's there's two movies I think should be on this list. I'm afraid, or at least in this part, I'm afraid might not be in them. So that we have, I would put I don't know if I put Frantic in the top ten, but it's a damn good movie. I think. Um, it's interesting but, to see how um, it's interesting to see Harrison Ford in a Polanski movie, and I yeah. I actually remember um, it might have been the cover of Premiere or something because that was still a big magazine back then, yeah. and the headline oh, yeah. was uh, the headline was what the hell is Harrison Ford doing in a Roman Polanski movie? Yeah, and which is kind yeah. of the kind of the fascination of that movie, and I I think the setup of that movie is really good, and, and then it kind of it doesn't work as well. But the you know mm-hmm. the premise of it is intriguing. Yeah. Um, number six is American Graffiti. 
Okay, I mean, yeah, that would be, I would definitely, but I, I mean, every everyone's, good. I mean, that's a, like a, you really, that's just a really good movie. I mean, everyone, I think, you know, Harrison Ford is definitely good in that, but everyone's good in that movie. I mean, so, all right, now I'm really concerned number, where we're going here. Number five is The Fugitive. The Fugitive. <laughs> and yes, I, I know it's pronounced fugitive. But, yeah. uh, I mean, that's, I, 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 that's good. I mean, that's also good because of Tommy Lee Jones. Let's not forget that. That's a really, you know, a great Tommy Lee Jones performance as well. Um, it's kind of an unassailable uh, pick. I mean, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a really strong movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he's good in it. I mean, he, he, no, yeah. he's a good anchor to it. Um, and it's no, good that he has. Good. Usually he's the one to play the Tommy Lee Jones kind of part, so it's right. good that uh, that Harrison Ford plays a different note in it. But they're equally determined. Uh, but he's he's just a frantic and fearful, um, mm-hmm. and and he does that he does that well. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, I, I've heard him talk about being really amazed by um, Harrison Ford's performance. Uh, in that scene before he jumps into the uh, jumps over the edge into the, the aqueduct or whatever it is, the um, right where where he's got him cornered, and he says, "My God, right, right. Harrison Ford plays plays fear better than anyone I've ever seen." Um, number four is Witness, his lone Oscar nomination. I rewatched that recently too. It's a good. It's a really good movie. It's, yeah, no, that no, that definitely deserves to be in his top ten. Definitely. Um, that's definitely one of them that I was. I mean, that's definitely one of them that I would definitely put in there. Uh, number three, the Mosquito Coast. Yes, I I think this is a um, it's an awesome book, and I think his performance. A lot of people thought he was miscast at the time, and I and I thought he was just incredible in this. I mean, I thought that performance was a real revelation at the time of his range. I thought. Um, number two are the Star Wars movies, and number one are the Indiana Jones movies. So here, here's what I, I, you know: I might put the Indiana Jones movies. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'd put the Indiana Jones movies in the top three because that that role does does call upon his unique gifts to be uh, yes to be dashing and charming and humorous and and involving and. Uh, but I would put Mosquito Coast number two, and I would put um, Presumed Innocent number three in terms of performance, and maybe even okay, movies. Where, okay, where would you put Working Girl? I think he's great in Working Girl. I really love his yeah. performance in that. I mean, where would you put that? Because, Ken, I won't lie to you. Um, I mean, I think I'm not as crazy really about the, the movie. Uh, but in terms of performance, I, 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 it is a top ten performance of his, without a doubt. Yeah. Because, I, but I'm happy to see Mosquito Coast in there and, and witness. Um, and I like I, I liked him in that. Uh, I, I liked him in that um, Rachel McAdams newscaster movie. I yeah, thought it was very funny and charming in that. Yeah, no, no, no. He was he was good in that. Um, I don't know what that's called. Fading Glory or something. Morning Glory. Morning. Morning Glory. Morning okay. Glory. Uh, and he talks about that because he talks about because he makes the frittata. 
the whole thing is making the thing. He just talked about that movie recently in an interview. Um, All oh, right. Um, yeah. Um, but here's the thing about here's the thing we have to. I think we can. I mean, there's definitely if he wasn't in the Star Wars movies, as we learn with the prequels, what's missing? He's missing in the in those prequels. Right. The character, someone, in the, and let's be very honest. That's what makes I think the Force Awakens is enjoyable because he is the anchor in the movie. Um, and that's what makes the next two movies very problematic because he can't be in them. Um, so, or at least not as far as we know. Um, but, you know, it, it is, he is really, you don't realize how vital I think he is until you watch those prequels and you're like, oh shit, um, there's no one like him in these movies. Um, so, I, I definitely. Yeah, kind of kind of the, the, the rascally character that really doesn't care about the force or the dark side. He yeah. has no investment except, you know, pay, pay me for use of my ship kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think he's, I mean, those, I would put those somewhere in the top 10. I don't think you can't, you cannot have those in the top 10. Um, but I mean, definitely the Indiana Jones, I mean, I can't, there's no one else. Who could, I really must say this. I don't see anyone else playing Indiana Jones. And I know those young no. Indiana Jones Chronicles, you know, I don't see anyone, you know, I like River Phoenix is very good. Don't get me wrong in that, in that, that great, in the last crusade, but I don't see anyone playing the adult Indiana Jones like Harrison Ford. There's no one I can think of that could pull that off. Um, and um, something like 42 uh, kind of points to the, the grizzled character actor that might've been. Yes. Uh, if, right. if he wasn't such a huge star, if he wasn't such a huge star, I guarantee you he would be playing a lot more interesting parts. Right. Well, I still like what David Letterman said to him one time. Um, I think I forget. I think when he was doing the promotional tour for Air Force One, and he said, "Well, what's next for you?" He goes, well, "I'm doing six days, seven nights." With, um, and hey, he goes, "Oh, you really have your work cut out for you." Because <laughs> 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 that's the whole thing. You know, the whole thing with Ellen broke and everything, and you know, and it was just like that was hilarious. <laughs> he just made one of these aside. I think Harrison Ford lost it, but. Uh, Where's that um, on the list, by the way? Where is Six Days, Seven Nights on Six Days, Seven Nights is number 20. 20. It's number 20. What about Random Hearts? What about Random Hearts? Remember that one with uh, Christmas Scott Random Thomas? Hearts is 24. Wow. Uh, and the K-19 is behind it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot all about that one, too. Um, <laughs> I, I, never, I forgot he was in the Expendable 3. I had no idea. <laughs> Extraordinary oh. Measures at number thirty. Uh, he's he's good in Extraordinary Measures. I mean, as good as the movie uh, what allows about the him to be. With Gary Oldman. The one we did with Gary Oldman. Oh, no, the yeah. cyber crime. Yeah, where did that where did yeah, that fall? Is that on the list? Twenty nine. Richard Dreyfuss is in that too. Richard uh, <laughs> Dreyfuss. Um. <laughs> what we have here is a great white chart. <laughs> Oh, the Devil's Own. The Devil's Own. I'd like to see The Devil's Own again. I, I have seen it a couple of times, but that movie, I think, got a bad rap. I think it's better than uh, its reputation dictates. I, I think, it, yeah. I mean, I would like to. I would like to revisit it just to see what I, because I think it's. I think it's obviously it deserves a, a, definitely a second chance. I would like to watch that again at some point. Um, because I, I would be the first to tell you I gave it a short shift, so I would like to see that. Um, watch that again. 
I mean, it sounded like Pakula, man. Um, yeah, I mean, there's now there's the talk about. I mean, one of those, you know, we've talked about it many times on the show, but my God, we could use him right now. I oh, mean, man. we could have used him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we could definitely have used him this century for so many things. But there's a talk about a horrible way. I mean, just one of the truly greatest filmmakers. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we could use a lot of those '70s filmmakers that have deceased now making movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we could more than anyone. We could use Robert Altman. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I agree with that. Um, so let me just let me, if you don't mind, if we could just go back to Blade Runner for just a moment, um, because people have been talking about this all weekend. The movie is. Well, let, let me just say. Let me just say. You can you can finish it. Hang on. Regarding Henry's number fourteen, <laughs> which I think is a completely silly performance, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, no, no. But okay, that's, Blade you know, Okay, no, um, so the film, is the box office result at all surprising to you? It had a soft, very soft opening. Is it surprising to you at all, given the nature of the, uh, the, the first film? Was it done at the no. box office? It, did, did the first movie make $31 million in its entire run? I think it's twenty eight million actually. Twenty eight was the number I read somewhere or the other um yesterday. Remember that was you know I mean I real I realize first... it's thirty four years later, but uh Yeah. You know, a, a two hour and forty five minute movie that questions what it means to be human, uh I you know, I don't care how many special effects you put in and I, I don't know how popular that movie's gonna be. Yeah, I mean this so people have been using and then it's actually I think a good analogy, um, Escape from New York and Escape from LA. Um, and I, you know, I was very disappointed in this game from LA, but it didn't really surprise me that you, I, I'd be the first to tell you that I think John Carpenter's, he, he, the, the, the fire was no longer hot on that move to make that sequel. Um, yeah, I think it was the, the first one is 81. The sequel is 96, but the escape from New York was a cult movie was not a box office, you know, movie, not a box office hit, if I'm not mistaken, it, it influenced other movies. But it did not, you know, it wasn't something that I think there was going to be a mass appeal in the sequel. The sequel, when it opened, was died. Um, so I think that's an interesting analogy. But this Blade Runner is a cult movie. We forget that. It's a cult film that ha- influenced lots of things, influenced a lot of movies, a lot of different. I mean, that visually it influenced so much. Um, I mean, it's really hard not to see its influence in a lot of current things, but... This is it's it's a I think it's a it's a worthwhile effort, but it's not going to be in box office yet. I just don't see it. I mean, as someone said, a lot of people under the age of forty didn't even bother with it. So I mean, it's not a surprise that it didn't do well. Um, what are, what are but, examples of cult movies that they've come back with a sequel to after they become cult movies and they've done well? Well, well, they've done well. Well, that dude, I I I don't have the only. The only one, if you really want to know the truth, kind of is Fury Road. I mean, the Mad Max films were cult movies. I mean, they did. They mean the I mean, they did well enough, but they were cult movies. Yeah, they did. They did well. They did do well. The first one was probably well, the first one was a, I guess, a cult movie, a very cult uh, movie. Uh, but, uh, um, but you know, but uh, I mean, as a franchise, they they performed pretty pretty well. Yeah, There's yeah, they of, did. They, they weren't under the radar movies. No, uh, they weren't. Well, Blade Runner was not under the radar movie, you know. But and it came out the same Nobody summer. Nobody Road Warrior. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, no one yeah. did go see it. No, that's very true. Um, but 
but the, the escape from New York was that was an analogy someone used. Um, yeah, there's not really if it's a gamble. It does go to to prove what William Goldman said: no one knows anything about Hollywood. It does prove that point clear there. Um, I, I just thought it was interesting. There has to be there has to be a movie though that has that has succeeded. I just if any of our listeners out there are listening and you have an idea of a movie that performed well, a sequel yeah, please, that performed well. It. After the original tanked and became a cult classic, I know we're missing something, but uh, there has to be one at least. But I, I mean, it begs the question: if if uh, something if they made a sequel of Lebowski, would it do well? See, that's what I just don't. That that that's a great example. That, that's actually a really great example. There's a cold movie that, or let's take another one, one that I like, Fight Club. Would a you know would that do well? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about we talk about the influence that these films have, but they, when they came out, they were dead on arrival. Um, so that's just, that's an interesting thing. But there are people thinking of these things. Oh, we'll make a sequel. No, um, there's not a demand there that you think. I don't know. It's like it's, there there was this explosion. There was this explosion of geek culture, which I, I know we're still living in. Where all the all the geek movies came out, and now the geek, those geeks have become older, so now we're going back to nostalgia movies to kind of try to mm-hmm. reclaim those geeks. But you know, I, I think geek culture now is more video games than movies. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. Um, that's a good. That's a good we're talking about what we're seeing is a gen, we still have gen, Generation X in the in the studio chair, I guess, or whatever. Um, and until that dies out, I guess, or is replaced, we're, we're stuck kind of in this forever nostalgia thing. Like, you know, so that's what I think is going on. Um, part of it, I think, oh. at least. All right. Well, well this is a good show. Uh, 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 last, okay. last question. Last question. I'll give you, uh, Aaron's, uh, <laughs> Aaron's been posting these, uh, what do you call them? Uh, I call them the Sophie's Choice questions. <laughs> right, right. So if you had to answer, you have a you have a gun to your head, Jerry. You have to answer Godfather one or two. What are you going to say? I'm going to say Godfather two because I want to stay on the show. No, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> I know. I, Godfather I, I, three. I, I don't care. No, 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 no. We're not going there again. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, I see Godfather Two, and the reason I see Godfather Two, maybe, um, might I just think for me, and just let's forget everything else, that you can have an actor come play Brando's role and play it. I let's be honest, almost better than Brando. I mean, that to me is stunning. But that the sequel is, I think, in many ways surpasses the original, which is unheard of at the time. Um, but. Dude, I mean, dude, I mean, it's just an incredible movie. He's such a prick in that movie too, Michael. Um, but slamming the door in a cave face like that. Um, but, yeah, it's and it really is a Sophie's movie. choice. It really is a Sophie's choice because it is it is choosing between two perfect movies. Um, yeah. Oh, it is Godfather um, Two. I think the canvas of Godfather Two is just far more ambitious. And the the scope of difficulty, the degree of difficulty is 
is a lot greater in two. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it, it's mad. But I also think how it, it's mad. Yeah, and then, but I also think yeah, it is mad. And I also just think of the problems that he can't. You know, he says, you know, he says, I'm going to the only family be legitimate, legitimate in like five years. And he can't. There's no way. There's no way really out of it um, for him. And he keeps getting in deeper and deeper. But this is so, it's just an incredible movie, though. I mean, on so many levels. It's just that it creates, how should you say, it peels back in the, of that world, it peels back the curtain even further. You get to see even more of that world and how, yeah. it, be, how it came to be. And, 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 I, and I find that. And the ec- and the echoes between the generations are a lot more profound. Yes, um, it feels more Shakespearean to me. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, no, but you're right. That oh god, that is a Sophie's choice. Yeah, I saw that the other day, and I saw your answer, and, it, and I was always going to type. You know what? I don't always want to type them. I just want to say fuck you, Aaron. I just want to say fuck you. How dare you ask us to choose? Uh, the fourth one with DiCaprio that they never made. Remember the rumors of the Godfather <laughs> yeah. Four? Oh yeah! Oh my God! Leonardo DiCaprio is a young Sonny or whatever. Right? <laughs> and Coppola said, "I'll never make that." Now that Puzo has died, I will never make it. I'm like, really, Puzo is the thing that keeps you from making it? I, I would have thought, you know, <laughs> Godfather Three would have been the thing that would keep you from making yeah. Godfather Four. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean. Uh... Oh, but what was I going to about those things? What I find interesting about all all the Godfather films is, even though we get to see Michael triumphant in Once in the Business, we never the move the first we never see Marlon Brando the family at the height of their power, you know, the height of really their power. You see him at the beginning of it within the part two, but I think it's really interesting in in the first Godfather. It's a family in decline. Powerful power line. I mean, we don't really ever right. see drug drugs. I, are, drugs are coming in, and they won't have anything yeah. to do with drugs. They're yeah. on their way out. I find that. Yeah, I find that fascinating. We really never get to see the family in all its glory, which I find fascinating. Um, we hear about it. We, uh, it, but it, Coppola is such a great filmmaker that we know that at one time they were. The shit, if you will. I mean, we know right. that, but it's just, it's always, that's something that always and, struck me as I've gotten older. And it's, an, it's enough that uh, we hear people talk, it's enough that we feel the reverence that other families have for Marlon Brando, that we feel his power mm-hmm. from them, that we yeah. know of him as, as this legend in that community. And so it perfectly mirrors the fact that you put the ultimate acting legend in that role. I mean, because he yeah. comes with that as well, and every, yeah, all of his children, all of his children in that movie are truly, in, in, in a creative sense, his children. They they are mm-hmm. all bowing at the altar of Brando. That, that's right. something that uh, is is worth thinking about. But at the same time, Brando yeah. was the Brando was cold, like massively cold, when he signed on to do that movie. I just don't like what the guys at the Paramount Seven are watching the day. We can't understand a goddamn thing he's saying. He gets subtitles or something. We don't know what the hell he's saying. Yeah, no <laughs> one would hire him. I, mean, I love that. No one would hire him. He was, no. he was, he was he trouble. Oh, he's box office poison. What, what is it? The Chase, um, bedtime story, um, the one he did burn. These are all 
does. I mean, he was boxed. No one wanted to touch him. He was boxed. And you're right. He was trouble, too. But, I mean, he was boxed off as poison. I mean, no one yeah. wanted him. Um, a couple of couple of new, and I, I bet that had something that, that played into it. The fact that for for actors, new actors of that generation, Brando was their godfather. And so he yeah. should play yeah. the godfather. Yeah. He, he said it came down to two choices. You had to be the best, the greatest actor alive. And he said it was either between him or Laurence Olivier. Those were the two choices. Oh, Jesus. He said it had to be. You know, could you, Yeah, I mean. That's what he he narrowed it down to those two choices. He said it had to be played by the greatest living actor. Um, so that's well, what we came if down Olivier, to. If Olivier played it, uh, everybody would be able to understand him because that's some perfect <laughs> enunciation that Olivier had. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire on I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten house gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. 